We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, everybody, welcome to the future award-winning Talk of Buffalo podcast, where we often highlight but are not limited to Buffalo sports, news, media, and entertainment. I'm laughing because I got Joe Yurden on the other end, and he's on me with video, even though you're only hearing the audio. And uh, he got a quick smile when I said future award-winning. Anyway, I'm Patrick Moran. You can find me on Twitter, at Pat Moran Tweets. Thanks for locking in today. Like I said, today is Casual Friday. That means I got my man, Joe Yurden on. What's going on, buddy? How you doing? Oh, it's it's great. We got holiday weekend coming up here, man. And yeah. I it's almost normal. It's it's almost normal. Like there's enough people outside that there's actually traffic now to like to go places. And uh yeah, like yeah, it's uh I mean it's gonna be like forty five degrees on Friday, but you know, today. Sorry, I want to take the lid off of our uh, of our radio magic here. Of our here, Thursday but... afternoon taping. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's supposed to not be very summer like this weekend. But whatever, it's fine. It's it, it's it's the holiday, baby. Let's let's go with it. <laughs> you said normalcy, and if uh, you know you're just talking about outside in front of your house and stuff in Buffalo, some normalcy was sports this past week. Just looking at fans, just mm-hmm. what an awesome week it was. For sports, not just like what happened on the course and on and on the courts and on the ice, but for the first time and what felt to me like forever, just that many fans just going nuts. It just made things feel normal and right to me. I mean, starting with golf on Sunday, Phil Wick, Phil winning the uh, the PGA Championship. Mm-hmm. I literally watched every second of the entire weekend of that tournament. I'm a big <laughs> Phil Mickelson fan and. I still didn't feel like it was going to be real to me until like he walked up that 18th fairway after hitting a, a beautiful second shot out of the rough. But anyway, mm-hmm. that's not my point about him winning. It's just the fans, the, the scene, the, the imagery of all those fans circled around him, chanting lefty, lefty. Mm-hmm. And then I'm not a big hockey guy if the Sabres aren't playing. You know that. But like I watched a little bit of a Carolina Hurricanes playoff game and the fans are just going nuts. And then I am a huge Knicks fan and watching games one and two, the garden just rocking, man. That's a, you want to talk about a normal feeling, a good feeling. That's it for me. You know what? I was, I was saying this with, uh, the, uh, that hockey show today. I said, New York, New York kind of brought all this back. Like the, yeah. the, like the, like the heated New York fan base, you know, like New York's, New York City's got the reputation for being, for being rough and tough and, and all that when it comes to sports. 
And it, to me, it all started with with the Yankees and Astros, with, with Yankee fans chanting "fuck Altuve," like just <laughs> yeah. chant, like starting that off. And then Trey Young walks into the Garden and stabs the Knicks in the heart in Game One. And then Game Two, you got the fans fans chanting "fuck Trey Young." Like <laughs> now, like this put me in the mindset of like if the Islanders end up playing the the Maple Leafs at some point here in the playoffs. We gotta get a fuck Tavares chant. Like it feels like, yeah. it feels like we're, gonna, we're gonna have to have that, right? Like that, that seems only natural. You know, what's funny is I say things are back to normal or, or getting closer to normal with sports and fans. It's not always a good thing. I mean, we saw Russell Westbrook get popcorn dumped on his head, mm-hmm. um, at, at, in Philadelphia on, again, we're taping this Thursday. So on Wednesday night and, uh, that guy, by the way, got banned from the arena for good for life. Yeah. I don't know. He's a season ticket holder too. I was stupid. But anyway, uh, yeah, a New York fan got caught uh, spinning at Trey White. Or, um, I don't know Trey if you Young. saw that. Or Trey <laughs> Young, yeah, Trey White. I'm thinking of the – yeah, not Trey White, folks. I no. meant Trey, no. Trey, <laughs> Trey Young. But, yeah, I mean, what what an idiot act. But, anyway, that is normal, and that's just uh, kind of the way uh, – People people have been pent up a long time, man. Like, they got they got feelings. But granted, Russell Westbrook might be the last person I want to dump anything on or near because I think Russell Westbrook would, would punch my head off my neck. Yeah, I'll go after you, <laughs> if man. If that were to happen, I, I wouldn't no, bad, no. <laughs> and spitting on somebody, get out of here. Like just, you earned your lifetime ban from MSG for doing that stuff. Especially sitting, you're sitting courtside. That ticket's <laughs> a zillion dollars. Like, what, what are you doing, man? You know, so. Joe, last week turned into, from Casual Friday, kind of turned into, at least at the top, like the, the Dr. Joe show. That's where I, I laid on the couch <laughs> and just, you know, was telling you about how torn I am between Buffalo and New York. This week is a little bit more of the same, but n- not torn. I just got all the feels this week, really sentimental. My mm-hmm. son, so again, we're taping this Thursday afternoon for our Friday morning drop. And on Wednesday night, my son had his high school senior graduation cap and gown pickup. Oh, in rehearsal. Man. So he comes home on Wednesday evening and tries that on and shows it, shows it to me and puts the cap, you know, and the gown on. And I'm just like, about to lose it, man. It's just, mm-hmm. man, it just, these, these past five years down here, going to school, high school, four years, eighth grade down here. And then obviously, you know, as a little kid growing up in Buffalo and, and going to school, man, you just blink your freaking eye, man. And it's, it's over. Not yeah. that his, his life's not over. Right. He's still got his, hopefully, you know, praying to God, his whole life ahead of him. But just that childhood, that, that experience of being a parent and having a kid in grammar school and high school, it's just such a blink of an eye. And it really, it's starting to get to me now. Once mm-hmm. I saw the cap and gown physically on him, he graduates next Wednesday. So see, I, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy he gets the cap and gown because I, I went to a Catholic school in Troy, New York and for graduation. <laughs> Our graduation, the, the girls had to wear white gowns and the guys had to wear tuxedos with white jackets. So we look, so it, was, it looked like a, it, we looked like a stage full of maitre d's. I didn't get, I didn't get to do the cap and gown thing till college, which that was, that was cool. Uh, even though our ceremony was at eight in the morning for some ungodly reason. Um, but like my grandparents were there and my parents were there and it was at Romney field house in Oswego. So it was the hockey rink and you know, obviously no ice down. Thank God. Cause I would have slipped many times <laughs> with my, with my night before hangover. But, um, but like that, like that moment is just like when you're, when you're the kid in that spot, you're just kind of like, Oh geez. Okay. Whatever. You know, like, ah, stop, you know, just knock it off mom and dad. But like, I, I can't like seeing my friends be parents now, 
and like seeing them with, you know, they got young kids, like they got kids, you know, growing up and like, you know, one of them's got a, you know, they got a kid like uh, going to kindergarten next year. And it's just like, yeah. And they're just like, I can see it right now. The day they put them on the bus, they're just going to be a, a pile of tears. And I'm just like, this is going to be it. Like, this is how it's going to be the rest of you. I mean, not every year going to school, like you know, eventually you get to eighth grade and it's just like, get out of the house, please just go away. But like when it comes to those big moments, that's like, that's the thing. Like that's life. That's like, that's like, the, that's like the ultimate part of life. And that's, I don't know. That's, that's the part that's really cool. And to have that and high school graduation is such a big deal because that's like no longer a kid. They've become basically, I mean, they're young, but like they're an adult at that point. Cause you go to college, you're on your own. You're just doing your thing. And yeah. you, you know, you're out of the house, the whole thing. I don't need to tell you this. You, you understand, but like, well, I'm going to understand soon, but <laughs> yeah, I, I do. <laughs> you know, it's funny. So his graduation it's Lacan Field down here in Bradenton. That's the home. That's where the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, single A farm team plays. So they're having their graduation. Which, by the way, the schools down here are just so much bigger than mm-hmm. Western New York. Like his school is like over two thousand students. So I mean, the graduating class is well over five hundred. I mean, I remember going to West Seneca West for middle school, and it was barely a thousand students. Period. So it's almost double the amount of students. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah. To your point, I I think Shane's attitude is a little nonchalant right now. Like. You know how it is when you're 16, 17, 18 years old. You're yeah. not thinking about the future. You're just like, whatever. Let's just get it over with. But like he came home, so he had his senior package and he had like his senior, it says class of 21, 2021 t-shirt with, uh, you know, all the names on the back. And then he has the same thing, like this hoodie. And I'm like, trust me when I tell you this, dude, you might not give a shit about this shirt or this hoodie right now, but I promise you when you're 10, 15, 20 years older, way too fat to get fit into it, you know, and stuff like that. You're going to want it for old time sakes, you know, just to be able to take those trips down memory lane. And to this day, to this day, I'm still mad at my mom for getting rid of all my shit. Not only she didn't, and purposely, I'm, I'm, mom, if you're listening, sorry, it's not like my mom's some kind of savage who's just throwing all my shit out. But during one of the moves, let's just say that one of her moves, she neglected to make sure that my personal belongings from when I was a teenager accompanied her on one of her moves. Long story short, I lost all my shit. So I'm telling Shane, you know, take care of this stuff, man, because when you get older, when you get to be our age and stuff, you're going to look back and you're going to look at that hoodie and like, wow, then it's going to bring back a lot of memories, right? Yeah. I, tell Shane, I think I've still got a high school hoodie in my closet. Buried. I mean, it's buried. I'm not digging that out for anything. But I've also got, I was one of the dopes back in the day, and I was so proud of being on the bowling team. Yeah, super nerd here, uh, that I got a Letterman jacket. Cause it was the, it was the only, it was the only letter I was going to get. I love, you know, I love the Letterman jacket and it's got, you know, leather sleeves, the nice, you know, like wool thing. Like yeah. it's a, it's a perfect jacket. And I've got that sitting in my closet here in my apartment because I, cause friends of mine didn't believe that I had one. And I was like, I'll bring it. I swear to God, I'll bring it. And they're like, okay, yeah, sure. So I, <laughs> I brought it over to them one day and they're like, oh my God, why do you, why do you have that? I was like, I just do like, it's like, that was, that was like a get, like I asked my parents, I was like, can I get one of these? And they said, you sure you want that? And I was like, yeah. So they, so they were all about it. And I was really proud of being able to do that. And I got, I got a letter for doing, you'll love this. I got a letter for being the statistician for the baseball team my senior year too. So that was, uh, (laughs) that was fun. But, um, 
but yeah, like that was just a cool thing to have. And like, I never wear, I literally never wear it. Cause I, if I'm 40 year old wearing a high school letterman jacket, you deserve to get punched. But like, <laughs> but like, it, it's just something sitting in the closet. Just, you know, it's a nice, it's a nice piece of memory. Well, yeah. And most 40 year old people probably are not going to fit into the stuff that they had when they were 16, 17, 18 no. years either. But yeah, it's always nice to have those momentums and, or momentums, I should say, and just a, an opportunity to uh, look back. So anyway, as we, transition into something a little more serious so yeah two weeks ago i was kind of a, i was a mess not knowing what i want to do this week i'm a little sentimental and i'm warning you ahead of time now so when we tape this next week for next friday for joe and everyone listening i'm gonna be a puddle man i'm a, i'm gonna be a mess because we're taping this literally the day after my kid graduates from high school so oh man fair warning everybody out there now i'm gonna be uh i'm gonna be bad all right so let's get into a few topics for today and look there's no easy way to transition in a new way. There's no clever way to do it. So I'm just going to start talking about it now. The, the Buffalo Bills started OTAs this week. And I think, at least I think, and I'm going to get your thoughts on this too. I kind of knew that there was going to be some division when it comes to vaccination and how players mm -hmm. and, and staff feels and what the protocols are going to be and all this stuff. And that really came to fruition right away this week because Sean McDermott spoke. And for people who... Pay attention to press conferences. Now I know you've covered the Sabres and primarily you're a hockey guy, but I know you pay a lot of attention to Buffalo, mm -hmm. to the Bills. I mean, Sean McDermott is a pretty bland, vanilla guy. He, he's not going to give you sound bites very often. He's not going to say things that are controversial. Um, but, but uh, not to say what he said was controversial this week, but I mean, he came right out and said that he is fully vaccinated. He went out of his way to say that Brandon Bean, and both Terry and Kim Bagula are all vaccinated, said, I'm paraphrasing, I don't know the exact quote, but basically mm -hmm. that he did it for the betterment of society and also because of, uh, you know, football reasons, com potential competitive advantage advantages. And then he said, which really surprised me, came out flat out and said he's concerned about the Buffalo Bills meeting the COVID vaccination uh, threshold. So you have... Him coming out and being very pro-vaccination, saying that his goal is not to tell players what to do, but to educate them about the vaccination. And then you got guys like Tremaine Edmonds and especially Josh Allen, who they won't say anything publicly. They said they're going to keep it all in-house. He's keeping mm -hmm. it in-house. He's not, you know, I don't think he has, but, you know, it's not my business to to speculate, but whatever. And then you got Cole Beasley, which, you know, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, man. Yeah. Cole Beasley is very open about not getting the vaccination. and has what I'll say are controversial takes on COVID uh, in general. Don't even get me started about players' yeah. wives like Rachel Bush. I mean, we're not, not even going to go there today. Let me ask you this. Like, what do you make of all this right now? If this if this is an issue in Buffalo, and obviously I think it is already. I mean, I'm sure it's going to be with other teams too. I mean, Buffalo is one of the first teams to have OTAs and, and speak about this. But, you know – as we head towards this summer, do you think we're headed towards some major problems among players in the, in these NFL protocols? What do you think? You know, I, I, I want to say no, but I mean, I, I think back to what Brandon Bean said about guys, you know, and you know, they've been rattling the, the saber at their guys already because, you know, with Bain, you know, Bean kind of coming out and saying, you know, Hey, if you don't get your shots, you know, I might just cut you. And that, to me that if, if I'm a guy that was, you know, being a hard ass about not getting vaccinated, I would take that as a shot across the bow. Just be like, okay, all right, yeah. you know, G and boss says get the shot. I should probably do it. 
you know, and now the coach is coming out and saying, like, I'm worried we're not going to be able to have the advantages that teams that are that that get past that 85 percent. I think it's past 85 percent vaccination rate that, you know, they, they get to have special liberties with that. You know, they have to don't have to mask up, don't have to do this, don't have to do that. Um, did you see keep- did you did you see the specific uh, vaccinated versus non vaccinated protocols that NFL released? I don't yeah. know if you, if you saw, but like the, the big ones and, and you kind of hit it at this right here. They don't got to get tested daily. This is for fully vaccinated people. Don't have to get tested daily. No mask required at the facilities. No, this is the big one to me. No quarantine after exposure to a COVID positive individual, meaning if they come in direct contact with somebody who was exposed to it, they don't have to quarantine. No travel restrictions. No, they can eat in the cafeteria, uh, the weight room, no restrictions, the, the sauna no restrictions, and they can interact with other vaccinated family and friends. Whereas if you don't get it, daily testing, mass still required, uh, physical distancing. The big one, again, to me, is you must quarantine after exposure to COVID. Mm-hmm. That could come on a Saturday. That might make you miss a big game. There's travel yeah. restrictions, capacity in the weight rooms affected. You can't eat in the cafeteria with your team. All right, so anyway, I, I want to back to your take on it. Right. But th- yeah, just so people know, that's the difference right now between – being fully vaccinated and not when it comes to football. But that's like, but that's such a huge load off your shoulders that if you don't have to worry about that, you don't have to worry about possibly missing a game. Or if you get it and you're seriously hurt by it, like Tommy Sweeney, you know, Tommy Sweeney got crushed by COVID. Like that's, that was a horrible story. And that's their mm-hmm. teammate. Now I, I would hope that seeing your teammate deal with that the way they have, you would be like, Oh shit, I better get this. I don't want that. I don't want to get hit by that trash. Forget it. Like that, you know, that ruined it. You know, it took him out for the season, you know, and you know, that to me, like you've got, that's why the the people who are hard asses about this, that don't want to get it. I can understand having skepticism, but if you're just full out saying like whatever insane Q, you know, Q garbage it is that, that you don't want to get it. And that's stupid. But like, if you, if nothing else, if nothing else, use it, use the shot as like, as the carrot being dangled to be able to have a normal season. Because if you're going, if you, if you have to go through all these things and stay distance and do all this, that, and the other thing, and you know, you're playing the Chiefs and you're playing the Titans and they're like, they don't have to, that, that makes everything just, it's one less stress, one less thing to be concerned about during the year. And like that, that to me is crazy. And I, I understand why they, why they buckled that and said, Nope, we're going to keep that in house. They don't want any, they don't want any mess. They already had enough with, with Beasley speaking his mind. Gabe Davis kind of did the same thing, backing up Beasley. Yeah. Um, and you know, I mean, just, you know, I think everybody's seems to assume that Josh Allen hasn't either because he, because of what he said earlier in the summer or earlier this year. And, um, yeah, you know, his family situation. Um, so like they, they tend to assume that he hasn't either, which I mean, Hey, like if I grew up in that sort of household with that, with that kind of beliefs, I'd probably be in the same mind. But, but I mean, just the, the most base reason to get it is just the advantage it gives you in just having a normal season. Because if you have to do all the distancing stuff and you got to, you know, dance around everything on top of preparing for a game, you know, doing everything like the way you did last year. I don't, I don't see what the point is. That, that's such a huge advantage for teams to just get it done get it taken care of and just go. There's yeah, there's so much to lose. You know, generally speaking, I don't like to offer 
like my own personal opinion too often on things that, because for the most part, my attitude, Joe, is this, like, I'm going to take care of myself and my family as best as I can. You do the same and your problems are your problems. My problems are my problems. But when it comes to this, I don't think it's irresponsible to have that attitude. Like I respect other people's opinions. And I'll tell you right now, like for an example, with Rachel Bush, okay, I don't hate Rachel Bush at all, mm-hmm. okay? And a lot of people, like, legitimately hate her. I disagree with a lot of what she says. And I'm talking political, okay? I'm talking about mm-hmm. Trump, and I'm talking about Biden and all this other crap. But when she started going on and on about COVID and these conspiracy theories and stuff like that, that's where I draw the line. That's like, that's where you do have some form of responsibility as a, as a public figure, as a, as a popular person, mm-hmm. to be careful what you're saying because there's people out there who are fans, fanatics. In the case of somebody like Rachel Bush, for an example, dude, she's hot, man. These guys who are all following her and saying all this mm-hmm. stuff, they're just a bunch of thirsty dudes, you know, who want yeah. to get retweeted by the gorgeous Rachel Bush. I don't have a problem with Rachel personally. I kind of, in some ways, like her, okay? I've had many conversations with her, believe it or not, over the last five years or so. But this is where it's like, this is irresponsible and dangerous. And this mm-hmm. is where like with Cole Beasley, I like Cole Beasley as a football player. I, he's never done nothing to me as a person. But this is where I do take issue with some of the stuff that he says, because I think that they're spreading information that that's false. And people are going to blindly follow. When you're a fan of someone, you almost blindly follow them. Mm-hmm. And, and that to me is what's setting a, a very dangerous precedent. Because I agree with you. Even if you don't think this shot is going to be that effective, if for no other reason, do it for your team. Yeah. You know, do it for your, unless you legitimately truly believe. And if you do, I believe, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but I think you're brainwashed. If you legitimately believe that taking the shot is going to put a microchip in your arm or, you know, something crazy. And I'm sure there have been a couple incidents here and there, but when you look at the, the percentages and the ratio of everything, I promise you that's not going to be the case when you do the math and, and actually look at the data. Mm-hmm. I took it because. I'm 50 years old and I have COPD. It was a no brainer for me. My wife took it. My wife already had COVID and no problems. She took it. My son is 18 years old, healthy as an ox. He got it. The reason Mm -hmm. why he got it is because he's going to need it for school. His coach has already told him it's kind of the same deal. You want to play football? You want to, you want to live on on campus? You're going to get your shot. Why why would I want to die on that hill? Yeah. You know, get the fucking shot. That, That that's kind of my point. I just don't understand why people. Of all the hills to die on, I feel like this should not be the one, you know? Yeah. And the, like the, the, the people worried about like, you know, uh, vaccine, um, passports and things like that. I was like, did you ever go to school? Did you ever go to college? Cause I couldn't go to college without a meningitis shot. Right. Like you had to get a, like, because meningitis spreads like wildfire and it can kill you like in an instant. So like, I mean, I wanted to go to college. They were like, well, you got to get the shot done. Cool. Like you want to go to, if you want to go to school, you had to get your vaccinations when you were a kid, like because they don't want measles running rampant through the school. And the the fact that people are just so against being healthy and taking care of each other by by take by getting vaccinated is is so beyond selfish because it's just thinking you're smarter than science. And science is you know, and this isn't just the study of science. This is Mother Nature. Mother Nature is going to win no matter what. And if you decide to let, let a virus keep, uh, keep running rampant out there, it's going to get worse. And that's the worst part of it is something like this is going to keep, it's going to keep mutating because that's what viruses do. 
And if you get to a point where it becomes way contagious and way more lethal, that's bad. And then if it, if it becomes vaccine resistant, that's really bad. Like that's the, that's the kind of stuff you can't allow to happen. You know, that's when you have things happen like, uh, like, you know, smallpox back in the, you know, the, you know, 16, 1700s and, and, th- you know, things like that where it was just like, Oh crap, this is horrible. You know, and you don't want that to happen now. We have, there's too much science. There's too much work being done to make sure this stuff doesn't happen to just be like, mm, I don't trust it. Like get lost, get the shot. Shut up. <laughs> Do you feel like it's at least a possibility? I don't think ultimately it's going to happen this way, but if there's going to be full capacity at the stadium for the season, there's at least a possibility that a vaccination will be mandatory. And I've heard a lot of people on Twitter, Facebook, a couple of friends of mine as well. They said, well, so if we go to a Bills game on a Sunday, Joe, neither of us are accredited media members that cover the Buffalo Bills. We're not sitting in a press box. We're buying mm-hmm. our tickets. We're going to the game and we're likely going to have to show them our COVID vaccination cards or some kind of app by then. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Whatever. But that's the point. You and I got to do that to go to a game. If that, if, if guys got to pay money, women got to pay money to go watch a team play. Heard a lot of people say that. Why shouldn't it not be mandatory for the players as well? Right. Uh, do you think that's stretching it a little too far? Um, no, I don't think so. I was going to say, that... do you do think it should be mandatory for players? If you, if you could make that rule and you were, had the authority to do it, would you do that? Uh, it's, I, if I had overarching rule and didn't have to worry about fighting with the players association about things, or, you know, if I, or if it's the players that want it from the owners, if I didn't have to worry about that, yeah. Get your shots. We don't want any outbreaks. We don't want any pauses in the season because, you know, we don't want to have to reschedule because that causes a big problems no matter what. We saw what a pain in the ass it was last year for, for rescheduling and it ruined, ruined a few teams season. Like, I mean, Steelers completely broke down when they, you know, they ran into the issue with the Titans and then they had their own problems. So like, if I'm, if I'm Goodell, I'm just like, no, get your shots, get it taken care of, get it over with. Like, if you don't want it, fine, don't play. You're not playing. You know, your, your contract gets told for a year. Even, you know what? Forget about being mandatory or not. Just getting the shot. I just can't help but think of a scenario. I looked at those again. These are, they could change, but as of now, those are the protocols that I read off earlier. Just imagine the Bills being in a playoff game and they're supposed to play on Sunday and on Thursday night, Josh Allen gets exposed to somebody with COVID. And he doesn't mm-hmm. play in that playoff game simply because he didn't get a vaccination shot. And had he gotten it, he would have been able to play. But because he didn't get it, he wasn't able to play. Just imagine how fucked up that would be, man. Just and also think of how dumb it would be because by that point you're in the you're in the middle of January or late late January, early February at that point. And if you still haven't gotten it, it's been two years at that point. And you're just like, mm, yeah, I don't know. No, I, I tried. That, to, I, I think tried. at that point it's the player's fault. Like you're just like, you screwed us like that. You go from being everybody's favorite to the, the savior of the team to being the pariah run out of town. I try really hard to always imagine the other side when I'm debating or arguing with somebody about something. I at least attempt to see the other side. And I know from coming from that side, the, the biggest beef with people who don't want to get the vaccination. I think there's two types of people who won't do it. One. There's people who I think are generally or genuinely and legitimately concerned about the the side effects or potential long-term effects of it just because mm-hmm. it was so new and done literally from scratch within a year. Mm-hmm. That, to me, I could at least understand that to an extent. Then you got the other half 
that won't get the shot because you're not telling me what to do. It's my body. It's my choice, my freedoms. Just like when the pandemic happened and people were supposed to be locked in, mm-hmm. you know, we were in lockdown and people were like, fuck that. I'm not staying inside. You can't take away my freedoms, my liberties, blah, blah, blah. Those people I can't fucking stand. Mm-hmm. I can't stand those people. If you're trying to tell me that you're concerned about the effects, I could at least try to buy into that. Yeah. But I would love to see some data over the last two months or so when it comes to COVID cases and deaths going down. I know it's being, I don't see as much stuff on the news. And I know a lot of people are saying that's because Biden's president now and they're always out to get Trump. That's, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's, that, that's the one, that's, that's one thing. <laughs> right. Exactly. But, you know, COVID deaths are definitely in the decline. Cases are on a decline and it, mm-hmm. it has to be because I think I saw a stat that over half the, adult population at this time now is fully vaccinated. I'd love to see the stats over the last couple of months officially, how much this went down. And I would also love to see the stats. And this is for people who talk about documenting cases of bad side effects or something bad happening, which again, I'm not saying there's none, but man, I'd love to see that percentage, like one out of every, however many shots, maybe that might change some people's minds. Although you and I both know you ain't changing nobody's mind. Once you've got your mindset on something, there's none yeah. that Joe Yurden or Pat Moran's <laughs> going to say to, change your mind. Or if I had Rachel Bush on this podcast, man, there ain't none that Rachel Bush is going to say that's going to change your mind the other way either. You know? Yeah. I'm I'm not subscribed to enough Facebook forums to be able to sway my, to sway my opinion on anything. <laughs> I try to stay off Facebook as much as possible, but like, yeah, that's uh yeah. Rachel Bush. I don't, I don't care. You're not changing my opinion. Like, but like she won't even be able to go to the game. Like yeah. she's not gonna be able to go to the games if, you know, without the shots, like, Okay. All right. It's crazy to me how much so many people, like I said, either it's a bunch of girls who want to be like her or look like her or guys that want her mm-hmm. or they, or they hate her. There's it's crazy yeah. because she's, she's a supermodel, man. And, and by the way, before all this shit started, at least I'm telling you, I promise you this, man, she's a nice person. She really mm-hmm. is. She has her own right, far right beliefs, which I'm good with. I'm not the same way, but Again, I don't care about that shit. You could think Biden's a scrub president or you support this guy or that guy or these freedom, whatever. Fine. But it's the COVID shit that really kind of has turned me off. But yeah, I mean, her husband is a very popular Buffalo Bill. You would think that people would love somebody like her. But man, she is really, really uh had a lot of fans turn on her. A lot. Yeah, she's probably earned a lot of fans oh. as well. Yeah, like that's... That's, uh, that, that's the demographic of this area. Like it's, it's pretty evenly split. And yeah, that's, uh, I think that's an entire, again, like we touched on last week, that's an entirely different issue. It is. Let's take a real quick break. We'll be back. I got a couple minutes worth of, uh, Sabres talk. Elliot Freeman was on WGR. I went ahead on that. And then we're going to do our starting five draft this week. It is going to be HBO original series. Be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, dude, even the Buffalo Sabres are more fun to talk about than COVID vaccination shots. Are you sure? Yeah, there's not a lot of things that I would rather, you know, like I said, I'd rather have the Sabres. But Elliot Friedman, NHL insider, was on WGR on Wednesday. Had a couple uh, interesting tidbits, and I wanted to get your thoughts on them. One of them, he was talking about Don Granato, um, and he said that he had a good inside track towards becoming permanent coach. Um, he said Kevin Adams and the Sabres are interviewing other head coaching candidates to see if anybody, and this was Elliot Freeman's words, blows past Granado, meaning he really has a, a nice hold on the job for now. Um, and then he mentioned specifically Rick Tockett is interviewing with the Sabres. He said either today, which on that day was Wednesday or uh, in the near future, and that Tockett is kind of on a tour right now. He's interviewing for several jobs around the league. So he talked about that um, in terms of Jack Eichel. He said with the injury dispute, he had, nothing's changed over the last few days, which I don't think is surprising. And then he said uh, that the Sabres have definitely looked into the Columbus Blue Jackets goalies because Columbus has made it clear that they're going to move one of their two goalies because expansion drafts coming up. Seattle would take one of them. I'm not going to pronounce their names. You could do that. <laughs> but anyway, the question is whether or not the Sabres can put together a better offer than other teams. So I know that's a lot for you to unpack, but uh, what are your thoughts based on what Elliot Freeman's saying. Well, I we'll start with the coach thing because that's I think that's the most pressing matter. Well, mm, yeah, right now that's the more immediate thing sure. to get taken care of. Uh, I too believe Granado's firmly in the lead. Um, I think with the way things ended this year, with with how you know how well the team played under him, I think that was very appealing to them. And I, like, like Tim Graham wrote in his satchel, uh, about a month ago, they're going to feel the, the fear was that they were going to feel ownership. This is, they were going to feel very mission accomplished that, Oh, Hey, our, our next coach is right here all along. Great. We've got it taken care of. And all these interviews are just going to be, you know, slapping some paint up on the house and calling it finished because they've already got their guy, but they just want to do, do some due diligence. Or, you know, just have, <laughs> just put up some, some gilded, uh, some gilded fixtures to, to show off. But, um, but I, you know, I, I look at the guys that are out there and I, I always focus on Tockett and Bruce Boudreau because I think they're the two guys that are, that are most capable of giving an interview where they could really wow ownership. And I think more with Bruce Boudreau's track record and his, you know, his personality, I think he's a guy that could really, He's more of a schmoozer, <laughs> to be blunt. He's more of a he's more of a guy that can that can you know, you know, cut a quip. He's he loves Buffalo, um, you know. He's from nearby. Like you know, he's he would be excited because his mom could like come to games. Like you know, there's a whole thing there. Um, whereas Tockett's Tockett's like the opposite. He's a hard ass, and he's a tough guy. I mean, he was a tough guy when he played. Um, I re- <laughs> I remember seeing a preseason game in Albany one year where it was 
uh, it was Flyers Bruins and Tockett and Neely fought like three times. So like, <laughs> there's no messing with Rick Tockett and that sort of like, you know, that, that, that real that sort of hard nosed appeal really appeals to, to Buffalo hockey people. Um, especially Terry, I think. <laughs> and I think, you know, with all the talk that, you know, they've been getting pushed around this year, it was just like, you know, maybe they're going to think that's the guy. I don't think he's the guy. Um, but I mean, I'm of two minds of this. If they're going to go full rebuild and if this will lead into Eichel, if they, if they, you know, if they do move Eichel and Reinhardt and Ristolainen, and I think Elliot said they had a, there was a 50% chance, which I mean, that's, that's kind of sitting on the fence with it, but a 50% chance all three go. If all three go, you're rebuilding. And then I think Don Granado's your guy. I, I absolutely think that. But if only Jack leaves, I think you still have problems with Risto still being around, but at least he's at the end of his contract. But if Reinhardt stays and you get him extended, you're kind of keeping your foot in the pool of saying like, nope, we can get to the playoffs. We're just going to do it with different guys because whoever you get in the Eichel trade is going to be adding to your team. And then that's that. That's when I think a guy like Boudreaux works. Now, you know, Granado loves Sam and he played him at center. He trusted him enough to do that and he did well. So that's good. But, but I mean, there, I, there's two different ways to go about this. If they, if they pull it down and they just say, whatever, we're going to rebuild with these, with these younger guys, Granado's got to be the guy in that, at that point. And that's, if I'm reading tea leaves, that would be, that would be my tip off as to what, how things might play out, uh, this year. But of course it could just be them ownership being lazy and just being like, nah, we got our guy. We're fine. But do you think they're, let's just say for the sake of our discussion here that they retain Granado, or I shouldn't even say retain it, they promote him to permanent coach instead of interim. They move, they remove that tag. Does that happen in advance of, like they're not going to wait to potentially trade Eichel and, and Reinhardt before they name Granado, or do, or do you think that could happen? Don't you think the first piece should be, or maybe not necessarily should be, but the first piece will be whoever's going to be the coach? I would think so because I think that's because that tells you what direction you're headed in and what your what your decision is going to be. Because, uh, like I said, I, I I firmly believe now if they if they just want to like blow out the doors and just get the, whoever they think is the best guy, like best regardless of cost, what you know anything. Okay, fine, you can do that. They did it with Bab, you know, they tried to do it with Babcock, got you know, got Bilesman instead, you know that that you know whatever. Um, so I think that that that's why I say that I think that's going to be a somewhat of a tip off. If if this is a huge if if they are if they actually have a plan about how they're going to do things, and you know, given their history, tough to say because the plans change every couple of years. But if they, like I said, if if they have a plan and if they're going to do a you know a full rebuild, that's why I think Don's the guy. Now, like I said. Don could be the guy and they just are just kind of like, ah, he did well enough last year. Let's just go with it. Cause they did it with Ron Ralston. So, you know, like that's what makes it so difficult to get a read on the situation because they've done everything else and none of it's worked. And now they're at a point where they have to get it figured out because everything's really bad. <laughs> I mean, the, uh, I don't know if we were going to get into this, but the sport, but the sports ratings for the Sabres were down 35%. This yeah. every, everybody in the city watches hockey. Like they're always top five in national ratings in hockey. Thirty, they lost thirty five percent of the fan base, like to, to watch the games, which nobody could go to the games. Holy shit, man! Like that's that's a that's a ton. That's an unbelievable. I mean, you lose a third of over a third of your audience. Whoa! 
that's crazy. Like that, that stuff just doesn't happen, you know, overnight. And that's, you know, that's what they got staring them in the face right now. So they got, that's, that's what I mean. Like the, everything is a huge decision this year. That's why like trading for uh, Elvis Merzlikens or Eunice Corpusalo way on the back burner because nothing else matters until they get everything else figured out. We, we I'm glad that you mentioned the ratings dip because next week I want really want to deep dive and I want to heavily focus into that and what they may do to bring fans back because I would say from a long-term standpoint, sure, maybe getting rid of Michael and Reinhardt and Rissalane and, and essentially kind of starting over and building a team around these young guys they currently have, that's a better long-term plan, especially when these guys don't even want to be here anyway that we're talking about potentially mm-hmm. getting traded. But I would say getting rid of Michael and Reinhardt probably ain't going to help your TV ratings very much no. in 2021, 22. But anyway, I want to save that for next week. That'll be a really good deep dive. One more question about one of the coaches, uh, Bruce Boudreau. The criticism of him is the guy wins all the time during the regular season. Like he's well over 200 games over 500 during the regular season, but he has a losing record, uh, in the playoffs. He's like, he's 90 games. He's coaching the playoffs. He's only 43 and 47. That's a criticism to that. I'd respond. I don't know if you agree or not. Let's get to the fucking playoffs. <laughs> 10 goddamn years. You know what? I think almost. Just like last year with the Buffalo Bills, if you would, if we had a podcast a year ago right now and I said the Bills are going to get into the playoffs again for a second straight year and I don't know what's going to happen, you'd sign up. You would have signed up for that last summer. You didn't know Josh Allen was going to turn into uh, you know, the, the second place in the MVP voting. We had no idea. Well, we had an idea, but we didn't really know. Right now, I'm like, shit, man. If, the, if you told me right now, right now today <laughs> – the Sabres would be the eighth seed or whatever, the last seed that makes the playoffs, and they get beat in the first round and get bounced, but they're in the playoffs. I'm signing up for that shit. So I don't know yeah. if you feel the same way, but, like, that wouldn't <laughs> be the reason why, if I I agree with your points, like, if you want to keep Granado because it's going to be a full rebuild with the young guys and he showed that he could do good work with them, fine. But don't, my opinion is, don't not hire Bedreau because he's got a shitty record in the playoffs because we don't know what the playoffs are like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Playoffs are such a uh, such a stupid thing because so many dumb things can go wrong. And, you know, run into a hot goalie. You know, lose a, lose a guy. You know, a guy gets hurt in the first game of the playoffs and you're screwed. You know, Sabers were there before when they lost McGillney and Lafontaine in what ninety three in the same series. McGillney broke his leg and then Lafontaine got knocked out like two games later. Like shit happens, man. Like that that's playoffs. That's that's what happens. But like. If you're not going to hire Boudreau because he doesn't he doesn't win in the playoffs and you're the Sabres, you're the Sabres and haven't been in the playoffs in 10 years, get fucked. Honestly, like <laughs> that's the dumbest reason possible. He hasn't won a Stanley Cup. Dan Biles will want to. How good that go? Great. Cool. Awesome. Let's just get Stanley Cup guys in here no matter what. Like that's that solves it. It's so <laughs> Goddamn ridiculous to, 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 to not want to hire Boudreaux because he can't clutch up in the playoffs. Look at the teams his teams played in the playoffs. When he coached Washington, they ran into the friggin' Capitals or the, to the Penguins all the time. He coaches in Minnesota. They had to play the Blackhawks three friggin' years in a row. Like, cool, man. Like, yeah. he coached the Anaheim. Like, great. You got to deal with the Kings. Awesome. Like, that's, that's just shitty breaks. Like, that's what happens. Sometimes. Um, records and stats alone or numbers don't always tell the story. I say this all the time because people are like, well, Phil Mickelson 
has six majors. It's only 12th all time. I said, well, fucking Phil Mickelson has also played when for most of his career when Tiger Woods was in his prime. You know how many more tournaments Phil Mickelson would have won? Probably at least a couple more majors if there was no Tiger Woods. He just ran into a buzzsaw who was the greatest player ever in his prime. So, yeah, I get all that. One other thing, too, and this, like, and then we'll do our, uh, finish our, with our starting five. The latest edition of, like, of course, this guy's good now because he wasn't when he was with Buffalo, with Taylor Hall. I mean, <laughs> two goals in 37 games with the Buffalo Sabres. He gets traded. Okay, and it's not, I obviously, nobody's blaming Kevin Adams for trading Taylor Hall. Everybody knows he had to go. And also that Taylor Hall had a lot of leverage. Okay, so I'm not complaining about that aspect. But it's like, of course, because it's Buffalo, Do goes to Boston, scores eight goals in 16 games with them. And then he has two more in the first round of the playoffs when they bounced Washington already. So, and now he's in the second round of the playoffs for the first time in 11 years in his whole entire career. It's like, that's just so Buffalo, ain't it, man? God. Yeah, it really is. And you know what's wild about this? And this is, this is where me as a, as a very pro advanced stat proponent, uh, comes into play here. The dude shot 2% here. Yeah. 2%. And his whole career, like his career average is 10%. So the luck, you know, the luck wasn't there. The bounces weren't there. And yeah. Listen, I know he, he was, he was checked out the last couple of weeks here. Like I, I get it. But who on the roster wasn't? Who was playing hard for Ralph Krueger when he lost 14 in a row? Like if you knew you're getting traded, if you know, yeah, if you know you're getting traded and you're, uh, Taylor Hall, you're, you're, you're concerned right now about staying healthy so you can go to a good team and compete for a cup. I get it. So like, so now Taylor Hall is, his shooting percentage is 16.7. <laughs> Things balance out. Like the middle ground is 10%. Like that's his, that's his lifetime average. Between two and 16, you average that out. Like that's what nine, 9%. Like he's now going the complete opposite direction. Now, granted, he's yeah. doing it with David Krejci, who's always been a really good setup guy, and he's not on the first, like he's not playing first line because that's you know the perfection line with you know Bergeron, Pasternak, and Barchan. So he's getting be- he's getting better matchups. He doesn't have to like worry about getting clowned on all the time by the number one D, and you know he's got a he's got a center who's healthy and playing well with him. Of course he's doing better. He's on a better team, but like he's on such a heater right now. Like even now in the playoffs, he's shooting sixteen percent. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, these things happen, but like, I mean, fans here at least, I get it. Be mad at him, please. Be mad at him. I don't want you to not be mad at him. Boo him when he resigns with Boston for six years. Boo him every time he comes in the house. I don't care. But like, you can't look at him and be like, yeah, he sucked here. Like, the chances were all there. Chances sometimes don't go. This has been Jeff Skinner's rule for the last two years. Like, the chances are there. Sometimes they just don't go in. Yeah. And good teams make their own luck. There's also that. Before we do our starting five, real quick, random thing here. I asked you this because of one show specifically that I'm thinking of. And I, I didn't ask you this. By the way, no notes. Joe has no idea what I'm going to even ask him about any of this stuff. So it's not like he's scripted or any of this stuff's pre-prepared except for our draft. Have you ever watched a show? Have you ever broken up with a show, a TV show, that because – you liked it so much. Like you loved watching the show, but then it just got so ridiculously bad or like your favorite character in the show got completely screwed over, fucked over, something like that, that it made you so annoyed that you just completely stopped watching the show. Like a show that you really, really liked, 
because a lot, and probably it was a popular show that a lot of other people liked, mm-hmm. but it just got so stupid and dumb that you stopped watching it before it ended. Man, I know um, that's random. Yeah, no, this is this is gonna make me think a little bit here because there's 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 certain shows where like I was like if you if you screw me over one more time I'm done with this. Like Game of Thrones got that way for for me after season five because I hated 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 season five because it was just every week it was just another kick in the ball bag. Like it was just horrible and like nothing good happened in it and it was just like everything was setting up for season six, which okay. Great, you get your redemption, but the whole season of just getting your face stomped in the mud? No, thank you. And like, I, <laughs> everything about that season, I was just like, all right, okay, that, uh, all right, we might be done here. And then, you know, season six won me back, so that's fine. But, um, I don't think, I, I don't think there's ever been a, a character or, or a, a swing in things that made me just go, that's enough. Like, cause there's some shows that like, I, you know, I get into after the fact that people are like, yeah, when you get to this season, you might want to cut out like, uh, Dexter, for instance, people are just yeah. like, ignore everything after season three, basically season four was like, you know, like everything fell off a cliff after season four. I was like, okay, like that's good to know. But like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think I've ever had a show where I was just like, I bailed on it because I, because I didn't like the way it was going. Like some of those shows where that's happened. I, I never really got onto like Walking Dead. I, I can't believe that show is still going. A and um, people that were big fans of it now it's just like dropped it. That's why I asked you really? this question. Yeah, I have three things that I have written down. I saw it on uh, it was either Twitter or Facebook, and it really got me thinking. The Walking Dead's one of them. I did watch that show, and it just dropped so bad. I said, Nah, no more of this shit. Shameless is another show <laughs> that I really, really liked a lot. But then everyone just got so unlikable. I get the way the characters were, but you got to have one or two characters on the show that you can root for a little bit. Like I was getting to a point with Shameless that I was literally hoping something bad would happen to every single person on the entire show. Literally. (laughs) Now this isn't a list of like shows I hate. These are shows that I liked at one time, but just Mm -hmm. ultimately grew to hate. And then, well, this is still an episodic running show, but the biggest reason why I brought this up is WWE. Oh, I didn't even think, I didn't even think about that. Oh, I am a, God. I'm a lifelong wrestling fan, Joe, since I was a little kid. Some mm-hmm. of my first memories of my life to this day is my father taking me to WWF events monthly at Memorial Auditorium because mm-hmm. this was way before Raw and stuff like that. I love wrestling. I've always loved wrestling. I went mm-hmm. to three WrestleManias three straight years in three different parts of the country. Oh, so man. I love wrestling, but over the last year, and this kind of started before the pandemic, but the pandemic with no fans, it was kind of like the last straw. Like, it's Monday nights now, and I've brought this up to my wife a few times. Monday nights used to be appointment TV for me with watching Raw. Now, maybe I didn't watch it from 8 to 11. Maybe I didn't start till 9, 9.30 so I could DVR and fast forward to commercials. But I never went to bed on Monday night without watching Raw. Now, I literally forget it's even on. That's how bad it gets. I'll, at most... I'll still read on like cage side seats. I'll read the uh, the recaps of Raw mm-hmm. and SmackDown, but that's it. Other than WrestleMania, I can't tell you the last time I watched a, a wrestling show from start to finish. Man, loved yeah. my whole life, but now it's just I can't do it no more. It's so bad. I, I've got a I've got a weird relationship with wrestling. I was a huge huge wrestling fan as a kid. Like never never went to any of the live shows or anything like that. And Albany Albany got a few pretty pretty damn good, like legendary episodes yeah. of raw, you know, it, yeah. stone cold with the beer truck is the big one. Um, DX. Getting back. Yeah. That was Albany. Decrescenting distributor donated the truck. 
Wow. They're from, from Mechanicville. Um, I used to bowl against their daughter <laughs> back in the day. So, um, uh, and then, uh, DX getting back together, that happened in Albany. Like all, like Vince rewarded Albany pretty well. That's uh, cool. Rick, Rick Flair winning Royal Rumble. A, the Royal Rumble was in Albany. B, that was the one Rick Flair won when he was like third, third into the event. Oh, wow. Because that wow. ended with, uh, was it Hogan? Hogan and Sid, Sid Vicious knocking each other out of the ring while, uh, while Flair was in there because, because that was setting up WrestleMania for Hogan and Hogan and Vicious or, that, uh, down the road. I don't think, I don't think that went to Mania, but that was, that was when Sid came in. That, so wasn't that the backstage promo Ric Flair when he said, would it tear in my eye? Something about the best moment of his life. So that was the Royal yes. Rumble that he won. That was, that yeah. was in Albany. I that never was in knew Albany. that. Wow. <laughs> I watched it on pay-per-view and it was, you know, as a kid, I'm watching this and like, this is happening like right there. I've been to that arena. I like, whoa, blew my mind. But then for a long time, like through college, through, well, I take it back. This is actually a good story. Um, I hadn't watched wrestling all through high school and, you know, even like seventh, eighth grade didn't, you know, like I dropped it like between like second grade and sixth grade, huge, maybe even first grade, huge wrestling fan, even, maybe even kindergarten because that was Hulk Hogan era. So like, that's, that's the big deal. Um, but then I just stopped, I, you know, I got more into basketball, got more into hockey, got more into base, got into more, the, the other sports way more. And then I get to college and, you know, one of the guys living down the hall from me, this is like second semester. He, cut, he knocks on the door. He's like, Hey, Hey, you guys watch wrestling? I'm like, no, no, Jay. We, no, we don't watch wrestling. And he's like, you ever heard of this guy Goldberg? No, Goldberg. What? Like, what do you mean? What do you mean Goldberg? And he's like, turn it on right now or else you're going to miss it. We're like, what do you mean we're going to miss it? Like match takes like 10 minutes. What are you talking about? He's like, no, 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 change it. We turn it on and like, it's right as he's starting his march to the ring and the fireworks are going off and the music. And I'm just like, who the hell is this dude? This guy's a linebacker. I was like, holy shit. What's this guy going to do? And he gets in there, <laughs> spear, jackhammer, match over, annihilates whoever his you know, loser opponent was. And I was like, me and my roommate were like, holy shit. From that point on, like every, every Monday we were watching Nitro. Like we, you know, uh, cause we had turned, we had tuned out, you know, you know, we, I missed almost completely the whole, uh, attitude era of WWE. And from that point on, I kept like a loose reach of wrestling because that kind because seeing that, like that whole run that he did, which was insane, brought me back in. And then, you know, Hogan's there and Kevin Nash is there in Hall. And I was like, oh yeah, I remember these guys. Like, okay, okay, this is fun. And then all the factions, like it was just stupid. And WCW was just the dumbest, dumbest stuff on earth, but it was great. It was cheesy. It was like, you know, a cheesy bad movie. It was wonderful. Um, but like that got me hooked back in a bit. And now that I've gotten older, it's still the arm's reach for me. Like I, I went to, I went to SmackDown. That was the first time at a WWE event where I went to SmackDown when it was live here in Buffalo. Um, which was really cool. Like we, you know, friend hooked me up with some tickets. We were sitting like behind where like the production board was, you know, it's awesome. It was super cool to be there. And like, it was a live show on Fox. It was just like, okay, this, this is cool. Um, but like indie wrestling, like ring of honor, new Japan, uh, NXT and now like AEW, that stuff I go nuts for. And like, AEW is like a WCW throwback almost now, like, which, okay, fine. Whatever. That's fine. But they still got a ton of great guys, but like, I've gone to Toronto a few times for like a new Japan uh, ring of honor thing where they brought a ton of great guys from Japan who are just unbelievable, unbelievable in the ring. And like some legends too, like 
it's like the it's like really cool and it's to me I don't even give a I don't give a damn about the storylines. Storylines are just it's pretty easy. But like the human stunt show part of it is what gets me. Like that's like the stuff you can do to pull it off. It's you know like basically gymnastics for for men. You yeah. know that's that's essentially what it turns out to be. You know if you want to genderize everything, it's gymnastics for men. But now you got the women kicking ass. Like there's a ton of great women wrestlers and that's awesome. So like I get sucked into it. It doses at a time, but like WWE, I'll watch the big pay-per-view and that's it. Like I watched WrestleMania and I was just kind of like, which wasn't bad this year. Wasn't bad, but didn't rope me in to want to watch Raw the next day. Like it just, it didn't do it. Well, I'll tell you what, this is good. I'm going to put this in my memory bank because <laughs> I always like to talk wrestling on my podcast and I never really get an opportunity because before you, previous to you, Joe, Buffalo wins on Twitter. Joe from Queens, I mm-hmm. call him. That's the only dude who likes wrestling. Everyone else I ever talk to, they never have no interest in, in talking about it. So <laughs> now I know this shit. So I might have to start carving out a couple little, uh, maybe some old school wrestling segments and we'll go back to those nitro <laughs> days and those nineties wrestling and have a little bit of fun with that. But anyway, so, all right. So let's end with our starting five draft. Uh, before this week's though, I, I got a measure of revenge on you from, uh, oh, you, you, I got, I got, I got something for you last week. Uh, TV Ooh. show theme songs. I got you 65 to 35. So Oof. for people who didn't listen last week, I drafted the Golden Girls, the Jeffersons, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Miami Vice, the Love Boat. Joe drafted the Sopranos, Greatest American Hero. Still pissed off about that. Like a week later now, man. <laughs> Laverne and Shirley, the A-Team, and uh, Mission Impossible. I, I think personally, if I was like covering this as an event, I would have written that I think you lost because I don't think the fans connected enough with the A team and Mission Impossible. Like I, if I was being Jerry Sullivan and being, you know, really critical, I would have said Joe had a couple <laughs> indulgent picks there. <laughs> I, I would say I, I would say you you put it over the top with the Jeffersons. In my mentions were filled with people being like, yeah. "Why did you not pick the Jeffersons?" I was like, "I didn't think Pat was going to take it second pick." Like Jesus, like give me a break. That aside, though, dude, I. Like I won, it's always good to get that W, man, you know, but it felt a little ugly. Like I feel like neither of us had our best game. It would be like going to a hockey game and, you know, the home team wins two to one. It's like, mm-hmm. fans are like eh, you know, Gotta win, right, we won, we won, but it. yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> I didn't have fun, won, won but it's a win, game. so yay. Yeah. I feel like we, we left some players definitely for sure uh, out there on the board. But anyway, let's see if we can redeem ourselves this week, so. This week we're doing HBO original series. If you want to, you could have a mini series as well, but it's got to be on HBO. It's got to be an original. Um, I'm looking at last week. So you picked first last week. I believe, yeah, you did. Yes. You picked the Sopranos and then I bounced mm-hmm. back with Golden Girls and Jeffersons. So that means I got two. And by the way, this could be at any point, any time from HBO long ago, current, whatever it may be. So I'm going to go first and, yep. uh, you know, I'm not going to overthink this one. And it's going to be the second straight week where this show is a number one overall selection. <laughs> it's, it, it can't be anything else but The Sopranos. It has to be The Sopranos. And I really don't feel like I need to sit here and pitch people on why. It, to me, it is, it's my one beef, not just HBO original series, but it's my one beef favorite TV show of all time. Mm-hmm. It's the, to me, it's the best drama ever on TV. The only show I have on that level, which is... You know, you either love it or you hate it, but I love The Office. So The Office mm-hmm. to me is my favorite show ever. And, uh, 
Yeah, The Sopranos. Again, I'm not going to even talk it up anymore. It's definitely The Sopranos for me. So you're going to be on the board, and you're going to have the next two. So I'll say this about The Sopranos. I made that one summer. I made that my I'm watching everything, like just beginning to end. That made that my show, and it was so rewarding. It's just such it a it's just such a rewarding watch because everything about it. And I didn't watch it in time back then because I didn't have HBO at college, so I was just like, yeah, whatever. But it was oh man. Such a rewarding watch, and it's so good. So I I assume that that was going to be your first pick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was working like, eh, that's probably the way it's going to go. Yeah, I'm not going to um, But you might get some arguments from some people on The Wire. The Wire is my number two pick because The Wire is unfriggin' real. It's so good. Holy shit, it's amazing. I like I don't know what else you can say. But the only the only knock you could say on the wire is that maybe the last season is lacking, but the last season ties everything together. Like from because if you watch that in order, you watch that first season, you're just blown away, and then you watch the second season, you're like, what the hell's going on? No, nothing happened in here. Quick fun fact, Joe. 2020, because now we're in 2021. 2020, never watched the wire in my life until I binge watched the wire in 2020. Mm-hmm. Never had to watch it when it when it aired originally. I'm like. This has got to be one of the worst pop culture mistakes of my lifetime to not watch this show <laughs> when it was on because you're absolutely right. And by the way, for the record, that was number two on my list. So. Okay. Hey, hold on. We're in Buffalo, so we got some cops going at Joe's. West, or is that West, the fire side, West Side Fire Department. West Side Fire Department. But anyway, yeah, that's my take on uh, The Wire. I never watched it before last year. Biggest mistake of my life. It's fucking oh, incredible. man. Yeah, that's, uh, again, a super rewarding watch. And then you get this, all the characters are just so incredibly good and so incredibly real. That you just, you're bought in immediately. And like, you just, there's some guys you just don't see them and you're just like, oh, I freaking hate that guy. Like, because they were so good in the show. You're just, you hate them over everything. Um, enough on the wire. We could talk, we could do a whole show on the wire. This is where I'm a little torn because I think whatever one I pick, you're going to pick one of my other ones that I want to pick at this spot. So this is why I'm going to break your ankles. And I'm going to say Curb Your Enthusiasm. Ooh. Um, that's the best comedy that's been on HBO ever. And I'm, there's another show that I was a huge fan of that was a comedy as well. Um, that it's not going to be in my top five unless things go like way off the rails here. But, um, but I mean, Larry David basically being a real, playing a real life George Costanza and just being a disaster of a person constantly and somebody you can hate, but also just really enjoy. Oh man. Oh man. And like, I, I get it. If you're not a Seinfeld fan, you're probably not going to be too into it. Holy God. It's so good. It's just so rewarding this past season. My God, what he was able to do this past season was so fun. It was, he put on the Trump hat in the car. <laughs> that was, that was classic. I'm going to tell you right now, both your shows are in my top four. They were in my Mount Rushmore of, of original series. So mm-hmm. they were very, very high on my list too. With The Wire, I started binge watching The Wire because of all the memes all the time, all the, uh, the Omar oh, yeah. memes. You know, mm-hmm. I, I finally, I said, you know, I got to watch this show. And once I started, I can't stop. Curb Your Enthusiasm. I love that shit from day one. I'm a big Seinfeld fan. Mm-hmm. I, I won't say Curb's better than Seinfeld only because I hate saying that basically a remake of something is better than the original. It's a rated R version of Seinfeld, but Larry David, mm-hmm. it's not even Larry David, man. It's the, it's that whole cast, man. Susie yeah. Green and, and Jeff, they're, they're hilarious. Richard <laughs> Lewis plays himself so, and that's another thing I love about that show. The guys play them. Richard Lewis plays himself. Ted Danson plays himself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So 
Yeah, man, I, I, I love both of those shows. Those are good. And JB right, so, Smooth's character kills yeah, me. Yeah, 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 kills yeah. Kills me every time. All right, well, I'm on the board for two here, and it's funny because I literally just watched the series finale last night. We re-binged it for like the fourth time. My wife's my wife's favorite show ever. You criticized it about 10 minutes ago. Game of Thrones. <laughs> I love Game of Thrones, and it's funny because that's not my style of show, man. I am not a... A, a fantasy guy where things that aren't like real, like these monsters and these walking dead people mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And I'm not a big fan of period pieces, generally speaking, or any of that mm-hmm. shit, man. So that's not my thing. But this show to me just, it, it just reeled me in. And I had never, the, the production values of it is unlike anything I've ever seen. By the way, I do agree about season five. That was just like, how many times are you going to get kicked in the nuts? Everybody. Oh, God. You know, over the course of one year. Even characters you, know, you hated got it done to them. Right. Yeah, but all the, the the production, like I said, the long night, the fights, to me, to this moment, and well, you know what? You've had enough time. So if you ain't watched the, the series by now, you're bad. At the end, when Arya kills the Night King and the way she drops the, the dagger from one end to the other and mm-hmm. stabs him and he, and he explodes, to me, that might have been the coolest moment in TV history. I mean, I literally jumped off my couch, like, say, if Josh Allen threw a touchdown in the, in the Super Bowl, like that kind of enthusiasm. <laughs> but the only reason why it's not number one for me is because I hate the way it wrapped up. It was, I, it was, I didn't like that. All right. I, I expected a lot more. I wanted Aria, Aria to kill the queen. Mm-hmm. I wanted a lot of things just to play out a lot differently. It was just, it was kind of a, a corny, cheesy ending, which if it's supposed to be a corny, cheesy show, fine. But to me, that's what stops it from being a number one. Now I'm left with a tough decision here because mm-hmm. my first four were pretty cut and dry. And you took two of the four, so I don't get to, I don't get to sneak that third one on. Ah, uh, I'm going to stay true to my list that I have right now. I'm going to go with Oz, and I'm not sure if you watched mm. that. That was on in the late late nineties, like the early two thousands. It was like on for six years. Just it was it was a fucked up, scary look at prison, man. It, and it really it got you invested in these characters, and many of them were bad people. I mean, they were often criminals who were in jail and just. The different factions of the gangs and uh, just everything about it. it was just really complex and, and it just it made me horrified to to ever have to go to prison <laughs> more than anything. Maybe yeah. I stayed out of trouble <laughs> so far. Anyway, I've stayed out of trouble in this century because I watched Oz and I was scared shitless to to ever have to do hard time in prison. But I I love the show, man. It was it was a really really good show. So yeah, Game of Thrones and Oz are going to be my next two. Now you got two. Yeah, Oz, Oz was a show that, like, I wasn't ready for at that age. And by the, by the time it was like, I could watch this. And I was just like, no, no, I, no, I don't. Good point. Um, Good point. It's not I, easy to watch. No, it, it's, it's violent and gory and some fucked up shit happens, man, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that's what I can appreciate everybody's opinion on it, but I'm also like, no, I don't need that. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't need that in my life right now. Um, so I'm actually happy you took Oz because you stayed away from the one I had lined up next. And that's Deadwood. Mm-hmm. I, I, I almost got you to do a spit take there. Um, Deadwood is just, it's a, it's a grim, dirty Western. Like yeah. it, it's such a, it's such a change from every Western that you, that we've ever grown up with ever, you know, where it's just, you know, cowboys and Indians and, you know, shootouts and and all this other stuff. This was like nitty gritty digging in. This is going to be nasty. And like, 
you know, Al Swearingen is like an all time character just as the most foul mouth son of a bitch out there. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, but like that whole cast of characters is just so good. It's just so good. And it's so well done. And that to me is just, it just made it stick out for me because it was just such a, it was, and it was beloved and, but it never really got the, the, the super hype because the Sopranos were on like, it's like how much time are you get to devote to TV on like, you know, on a Sunday or, you know, on a weekend, you're just like, I got shit to do, man. Like, yeah, whatever. And like Deadwood just comes in. And you're just like, I kind of have to watch Deadwood too. Like, you know, I got to watch Sopranos, but I got to watch Deadwood too. So Deadwood is just, man, that show just friggin' rules. <laughs> I never, I've never heard anyone say a negative thing about that show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I I think that's for a good reason. <laughs> yeah. Cause like, even if you don't like Westerns, you're just kind of like, Oh damn. All right. Okay. I like- yeah, no, it's, oh man, I'm a big Deadwood fan. Um, my next one, this is where, it's where it gets, gets a little real because now it's going to be like, how are we going to go about this? How are we going to do this? Um, I'm deciding how I want to stick to my guns here. And I'm going to stick to the one that I watched all the way through. And it's another show that is just, you got to be ready for it. Because it's an emotional train wreck, like, and in the, in a positive way where it just takes you, like, an emotional roller coaster is probably the better way to put it because it just takes you all over the yard. You just go everywhere from the first episode all the way through. You just get put through the friggin' ringer with this and it's six feet under. Six feet under. I don't know if you ever watched it. I was gonna, just gonna tell you, disclaimer here for me, I actually haven't watched that. I, w- I certainly will, especially now that you're endorsing it as one of your top five picks. Well, tell uh, me and the listeners a little bit about it, because I personally have not watched it. So the the first episode, you follow a family uh, where the the father is is runs a funeral home, and the kids are all like all doing their thing. There's there's three of them: two sons and a daughter. And like the one son is just kind of like a dirt bag, you know. He, you know, one of the early first early scenes, he's picking up a girl on the flight that he's on and bangs her in the, you know, bangs her in the, the janitor's closet at the airport. And, you know, another guy uh, is, is, he's gay and he's got, he's got like a live in boyfriend who's a cop. And, you know, this is like, you know, this is like late, uh, early 2000, like uh, mid 2000s. So like stuff about like gay relationships and all that is just starting to ease out into pop culture really. And, but like having it, like just being like right in your face. And Michael C. Hall plays the one son, Dexter, you know, Dexter. Mm -hmm. So he's, and he's powerfully just a unbelievable actor through this entire thing. And then the daughter is, is still like a teenager and she's living at the house or she's a teenager. She's like in her twenties or something, either way. Like, but like she drives like the old family hearse around, like that's her car. And this sounds like the setup for a comedy. Except in the first episode, the father is killed in a car accident, but, like it's like right away, and so the family has to get has to come back and deal with it, and then like they have to be like, well, who's going to run this? Like you know, the family business has to stay open. Mom's wreck. We gotta we gotta figure out who's going to do this, and it plays out for what five or six seasons, and you know the dad pops up and like he has like a as like a you know, as a ghost figure sort of, or like a, in their imagination or whatever to like either, you know, haunt them, not really haunt them, but just kind of like bring back memories. And like you sort through all these people's lives and holy hell, you get taken on a ride. 
oh my god and every episode starts with a new person dying and like the cold open is like a new person dying and being brought to the funeral home so like this is how like you start with a death every episode and it's (laughs) yeah it's it's heavy but it's it's beautifully acted it's unbelievably well written and the emotion in it is just it'll punch you in the stomach a lot (laughs) there are a lot of episodes where you're just like i need a minute I gotta walk away. I, this is, this is a lot. I can't deal with this right now. Whenever I watched it, there were times where I was just like, Oh my God. Oh my God. What did I want? Oh my God. Like, you're just like, I gotta go outside. I got, if I smoked, I'd be like, I need a cigarette. This is unbelievable. Like, and there's, there's one episode where something happens to one of the characters and it lasts for the entire episode. And the actor who does the stuff to the, to the other actor, I'm just trying to not spoil. I, I, should spoil it, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to because you haven't watched it yet. But like he goes through this whole episode just being essentially tortured. And I've hated that actor who did the torturing ever since. Every time I see him in the thing, I'm like, Oh, you motherfucker. You, <laughs> you're that guy. Like it's kind of like Ramsey from game of Thrones where you're just like, Oh, that son of a bitch. You know, like it's exactly that kind of thing. So yeah, I can't highly recommend six feet under enough, but be ready because it's going to be a gut punch, man. Well, let me tell you something. It's like, as a man who works from home, I got plenty of time to get into <laughs> something. And I've been lacking. I've actually went on Twitter a few times and asked, like, is there anything on Netflix or any shit that, uh, I haven't seen yet that I should watch? But now that you've said that, you, I'm sold for sure. Six feet under. All right. So you went Deadwood and six feet under. Mm-hmm. I'm on the clock and I got my last, uh, two. Your last here. two. I'm going to go. I'm going to, my fourth one, I'm going to go Entourage. It was on for eight seasons. Okay. Ari Gold is one of my, to me, he was the real. I know the show was about Vincent Chase and his crew, but to me, Ari Gold was the star of the show and one of my favorite characters, uh, of all time. And I also say this too. I really enjoyed the show and were it not for the last season, which was a waste and it sucked. Mm-hmm. The ending was dumb. I probably would have had this as maybe my, my third pick, maybe even my second pick, but I got to penalize it a little bit. For the way it ended. But anyway, I didn't care that much about Vincent Chase. And I thought Eric Murphy was, uh, was annoying. And I want to say the dude's name, Turtle. I didn't really care for mm-hmm. him. But Johnny Drama was fucking hilarious. Yeah. And, and like I said, Ari Gold, and especially when Ari Gold would go off on Lloyd, his assistant, yeah. his gay assistant, those mm-hmm. were some of the funniest moments ever in, uh, TV. So Entourage is going to be my fourth. This is where I'm stuck though. All right. So I got. One more pick, and I got two strong candidates that I love both these shows so much. There's actually three I could choose from, but mm-hmm. two of these are out in front. Oh, God, this is hard, man. <laughs> it's legitimately, <laughs> legitimately hard. I'm going to go with Veep. I love oh, Veep. Okay. All right. I love Veep. Um, I mean, what more can you say about Julia Louise Dreyse? Dude, six times, I think she got nominated. Six times for an Emmy. She won mm-hmm. five straight years. Five straight years. She was the best actress in a comedy. Julia Louis Dreyfus is one of the most funniest people ever. I always thought she was the funniest person on Seinfeld. I never thought mm-hmm. Jerry Seinfeld was that funny. I always thought George and Elaine were way funnier than, uh, than Jerry. But anyway, yeah, I loved her. And Jonah Ryan is one of my favorite characters as well, man. Just a awesome, awesome show for me. So I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing it if you take who my, it would have been. I'll let you know either way afterwards. But anyway, yeah, so that's me. I'm done. And now you're going to get the last pick here. So 
we, I know we agreed on miniseries, and I'm, I've been trying to not include them because you didn't pick any. You didn't pick any miniseries, and that, that puts me in the awkward spot of being like, oh, fuck, do I have to be the guy? Well, you got to be the guy that the, doesn't. Think of the fans. <laughs> well, oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm done sparing for votes now. Like I'm, I'm, I'm fishing for fans. So. You know what? Drum, drum yes, screw it. I'm, I'm, I'm going for it. It's a mini series. It's Chernobyl. Awesome. Yeah. Chernobyl was some of the most unbelievable television I've watched in the last 10 years. And the run of that where you're just, and granted, you're getting a certain view of, of how it went down, a certain way it's being told, and, you know, obviously with other, you know, fictionalized parts to it. But getting, even like the slightest idea of how things happened and how things went with that whole disaster, because we didn't, you know, nobody got real news about it essentially because you know, the Soviets closed it down. They were just like, Nope, we're not telling anybody. But like anything that we heard here was just always like, this sounds bad. And, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a kid. I'm like, what? That was 87. So I was what, eight years old. And like hearing about like nuclear meltdown, you're like, uh, that's bad, right? Mom, dad, and they're like, just like, yeah, that's pretty bad. I'm like, okay. And then you hear about stuff like, you know, Three Mile Island and, you know, even like Love Canal gets mentioned and that stuff. And you're just kind of like, uh, is that stuff for real? Like what's happening? Yeah. And then you see these stories played out and you're just like, holy shit. And just the, you know, the graphic ways they displayed, you know, radiation sickness and things like that, where you just, you don't have any idea of what it, what it is, what it looks like. You, you can draw it up in your own mind, but you don't have an idea. And obviously it's, it's dramatized for television. My God. Holy God almighty. Like that was just an unbelievable show. So I, that, that was my main impetus for, for picking that, uh, for, for, at, for wanting miniseries included with that, because I was just like, dude, I got <laughs> like, I got to, I got to try to sneak that in there. And I was hoping I wasn't going to tip my hand to you to be like, Oh yeah, Chernobyl. I'm picking it. <laughs> my wife watched that and I said I would only watch the first episode with her because I didn't think I was going to be interested. Yeah, I couldn't pull away from the TV mm-hmm. once I started watching that. That's a, and I, I do, I could be wrong, but this to me, I think we're going to have our first legitimate close vote. I, I'd yeah. be stunned if either of us pulled away from each other. Now you never know because some people voting might not listen to the podcast and they might not hear some of the reasons behind the picks. They might just look on Twitter and say, ah, I vote for that person or whatever. We'll see what happens. But you know what? Before we get out of here too, I have a, I want to mention two shows for honorable mention specifically. Mm-hmm. One of them, and I said I was going back and forth. I was torn between Veep and I ultimately I picked Veep. I might regret this. I love Arliss. I love Arliss, man. I think you seven, picked wise. Seven, seven seasons. Dude, Arliss, it was, I mean, it fell off for me after a while, but I love the, they use like real, again, real life celebrities, real life athletes playing themselves so brilliantly. Mm-hmm. Who, you know, we're on the show, man. And I, and I loved it. I love Robert Wool and Sandra Oh was great in it too. Yeah. But I went on to hate her in Grey's Anatomy. I hate that show <laughs> and I hated her character in Grey's Anatomy. So I think actually that might be the reason why ultimately I ended up picking a V over Arliss. But I wanted to mention that one and then I wanted to shout out. In fact, I shouted this out a couple of weeks ago too. The Larry Sanders show, which was mm-hmm. on in the, the early to, to late nineties. It ran for like six years, man. Again, not so much Gary Sandling playing Larry Sanders. It was more about, uh, Jeffrey Tambor, the guy who played Hey Now, Hank. He, he mm-hmm. was brilliant. Rip Torn was awesome. It was a really good Jeremy Pivens who went on to play Ari Gold and Entourage. He was on that show. Janine Garofalo so, was in there yeah, too. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So 
those are the two shows that I wanted to mention. I don't know if you got one or two that you strongly considered. Well, the, the ones, the other ones that I had in mind here, um, I had, uh, the leftovers, which is another gut punch of a show. Like the first season of it was unbelievably depressing. And my buddy Mark Ludwizak was, is always straight up all the time. He's like, the leftovers is my favorite show of all time. And I'm like, well, I trust your judgment on this stuff. Like you're, you're not usually wrong. It's really good. It's just not my cup of tea, which that's, that's fine. But like, it's a damn good show. And it's one I got to try to resettle in and watch again and just try to get over, get over the sadness of it. Because the, the impetus of this is that basically, uh, half the world's population just gets poofed. Like everybody just drops that, like they just drop dead. Essentially like the Thanos snap, but like people don't turn to ash. They're just dead. <laughs> like they're just up, oh, gone. See ya. Like history like it's and it's just like and it's about like the characters that are left behind the leftovers how they sort through this and how they go on with life and how they keep going and it just everything that swirls around this just develops and devolves in some situations into a, a whole new sort of life where you're just like oh my god like the edit but it's it's intense it's it's really intense but it's excellent but okay. didn't make my top five the other ones i had in mind just for like sweetheart picks was Mr. Show and the kids in the hall, two of like my favorite comedies of all time. Um, people, everybody seems to forget kids in the hall was an HBO show back in the day. Yeah. And, um, I love the show extras, which is Ricky Gervais, one of Ricky Gervais's, uh, comedies. And this is one where he plays a, he's, he's an extra, like he works as like an, a, a working actor as an extra on movie sets in London. And he and his friend are always like trying to get, trying to get that one big job. And every, every episode, there's always like some huge co-star, like, you know, like, uh, Patrick Stewart one week, Kate Winslet another week, Samuel L. Jackson another week, David Bowie's in one of the episodes, like my favorite episode of that show ever. Um, but it's unbelievably funny because it's just basically Ricky Gervais just getting his pants pulled down and just made fun of the entire show. And he's just such a, he plays such a pompous ass, like towards the end of, towards the end of the run. And you're just like, this guy kind of deserves to get his, his head kicked in here because, you know, he ends up, he ends up like getting a starring role on this like sitcom and it's like a catchphrase sitcom where, you know, he says, you know, he said like every episode is punctuated by him saying his line and it's just kind of, he's just kind of like, I hate this. So like he, get, he fulfills his dream, but it, he hates it. Right. So like, but it's, it's so well done and it's classic like BBC sort of comedy where it's like, it's really funny, but it also has a lot of, you know, there's a lot of heart to, to a lot of it too. Uh, and that's just a brilliant show in Silicon Valley. That's I, a good show. Silicon Valley is really damn good. I'm a huge Mike Judge fan and that's like, that's his humor to a T and it's freaking great. Like that's, that's a dynamite show. I still think that you made the right pick with, uh, Chernobyl as your fifth. Yeah, Those are all I, good honorable mentions, but I, I think Chern Chernobyl was definitely, uh, the right move. So let me review these five for people listening one more time. Go on my Twitter app, Pat Moran tweets. Over the course of this will be up all weekend. Maybe I'll even keep it up to a third day. It is a holiday weekend and all. Mm -hmm. Um, I drafted The Sopranos, Game of Thrones, Oz, Entourage, and Veep. And Joe drafted The Wire, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Deadwood, Six Feet Under, and Chernobyl. I'm telling, I'm saying this is going to be my last close. one. This is going to be, <laughs> I will be stunned. And, and look, anything can happen here. You never know, especially with Twitter. Twitter's crazy. I would be <laughs> stunned if this is not, I'd say at worst, like a 
maybe like a 57, 43 at worst. Mm -hmm. But I could easily see this being 53, 54, somewhere in that range. I was thinking even closer to that. I think this has got a 55, 45 written all over it. It I think it's, it's, it just, it comes down to like what shows people have seen and what ones they liked and what what they care about. That's that's all that matters, which is why I, I I couldn't leave Chernobyl, you know, off the hook there. I was like, no, 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 that's fresh. That's new. Everybody, basically everybody's seen it and everybody's like, holy shit, that show. Well, I'll tell you what, it's going to be close. It's going to be fun. I can't wait to see uh, what the results are. That's going to do it for today. So next week, next Friday, Joe kind of hinted at it a little bit with the ratings. We're going to do a Sabres fan interest TV ratings plummet. We're going to deep dive on that, kind of dig into that a little bit more, see what maybe the Sabres could do to draw some fans back besides just being better, obviously. (laughs) Um, Also, we're going to do a new starting five. I don't know what we're going to do yet, but we've been doing a lot of TV and and movie stuff let's flip it a little bit we'll come up with something music related mm. for next week we haven't really jumped in or did we jump in we didn't haven't done music yet we did like no. tv theme songs but that's, TV not, song. that's, that's not really not music. music that's tv to me but anyway give joe a follow on twitter at joe yurden go on my twitter again at pamaran tweets i'll tag joe in this as well uh vote for your favorite starting five so it's a lot of fun as always joe uh I appreciate you, man. And again, fair warning, next week, I'm going to be a mess. So you might have to carry this podcast, man, because I'm probably going to be in tears talking about my kids' high school graduation. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and Find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.